This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. El Cachico, Abu Dhabi, Oil Classico, Gulf War, Proxy War, Battle of the... This money isn't okay, but American money is. The Shake and Bake Derby, the This Cost More Derby, just Stop Oil Classic, or, in other words, the fixture that keeps our favourite journalists up at night. It's Friday the 18th of August. I'm your host, Ollie Kirsch. I'm Joe Butterfield. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. So, chaps, fresh off the back of another week and yet another trophy for Pep and the boys. Andrew, I know you were on the episode yesterday having a chat about uh, Super League and the aftermath of it, but Joe, want to give you your say, mate. It's your debut on the pod, so we'll lead off with you. How are you feeling? Bit of a Community Shield vibe, not really asked, or are you, are you buzzing about this? Um, it's it's one of those trophies where I think if you if you lose it, it's very easy for me to just dismiss it as Community Shield vibes. Kind of, in, funnily enough, in exactly the same way that the Community Shield is. Like, if you lose it, you can just go, ah, who cares? It's not a big trophy anyone's bothered about. But um, for me, I was actually really quite invested in this one just for the sake of, I don't want Pep Guardiola to walk out of Manchester City having not won everything that it's possible for him to win. Which means, if there's a, if there's a European Super Cup there to be won, uh, he'd better go and win it. Um and yeah, so when we went a goal down, I was actually a bit, I was a bit annoyed just at the idea that we would somehow not do it. And also the performance levels, which I'm sure, you know, Andrew and the guys got into, got into yesterday. But yeah, I think, um, I think for me, it was, it was, it was good to see us win, good to see us win a penalty shootout as well after, uh, after the last community, after the community shield that we played against, um, against Arsenal. So um yeah, yeah, just all in all, very happy, very glad that we've actually added another trophy that we haven't already won to it. And um, yeah, Pep, hopefully Pep walks out with the lot that is possible to win. 
This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, small-town Welsh football club, is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Well, if it's going to be the lot, then we're going to have to finish third in our group this season in the Champions League and go down and drop down into the Europa League and haul that one too. But... This is going to bring us nicely, actually, into straight into the discussion about Newcastle uh, at the weekend. There were a couple of surprises in the lineup, Andrew, uh, for the game in the Super Cup. We had Cole Palmer starting, we had Guardiol with his full debut, uh, we had Akanji stepping into the midfield at times um, and there's a couple of bits of news that has come out since then. I think there's some rumours that Stones isn't fully fit now. Uh, Alvarez only didn't start because he had uh, a, a twinge, muscular twinge um, and kind of lower down the list we've got Laporte who uh, kind of hinted in a tweet or an Instagram post saying till the end so he might not even be here by the weekend could be having a medical or whatnot elsewhere so it's looking a bit shifty uh, in terms of how we're going to line up against Newcastle how do you see this happening and aside from the starting lineup are we even going to be able to fill the bench I I mean I think we will easily fill the bench Um, you know this early part of the season I'm sure that player fitness is going to be a bit iffy because players are just getting back up to match fitness and going kind of full speed. You know, when you're not in the flow probably is you're a little more likely to pick up injuries and you want to be careful and cautious as you bed players in. So, you know, if the game mattered in a true sense, I'm sure Alvarez would have played, but it's, you know, it's a trophy and clearly the players enjoyed winning it based on the videos we've now seen out of the locker room. But it's not something where you're going to want to risk your, you know, the next several weeks of the season. I would imagine we're not going to see too different of a lineup from what we saw against Burnley, um, other than if someone seriously can't play. But then also, I think, you know, as great as Rico Lewis was, I do think you're probably seeing if Gavardio and Stones are both fit, I doubt Rico plays. I mean, maybe Kyle Walker drops out and you do get a back four of center backs because I think the interesting question is, Newcastle are clearly a offensive threat. And so I imagine even though we're playing at home, Pep is going to want to set up to make sure that uh, what they did to Villa does not even come close to happening against us. But I'm not really worried about player fitness. I mean, most of what it sounds like is players just having little knocks that they. I just don't think you risk at a Super Cup but would have played had this game truly mattered. Joe, on the flip side of fitness in terms of health, we've got the the other F, which is the question of fatigue. Uh, it was a warm night in Athens. Uh, I know that because I only managed to catch it on the radio and the uh, the commentators couldn't shut up about how hot it was, humid it was, and there were water breaks, etc. So um, we played a full 90 minutes Wednesday. 
we got a game Saturday. Pep wasn't too happy about it. And Newcastle isn't the ideal opposition, really, because they look good in their first week, right? They look good in the first fixture against Villa. They, they, they for all intents and purposes, battered them. Um, and Villa, we've tipped to be you know, quite a strong side this season. So Newcastle look good. They'll have the intensity. They've had a full week of rest since their fixture. We got a reason to be concerned that we might be slow on Saturday night and could we suffer for it? Yeah, I think it's always really difficult to call. It's a bit like after a European, any kind of European fixture, even when it's one where you're just in, you know, deep in the Champions League and you get to that stage. Um, obviously, it's not quite as intense as maybe going into like the knockout stage of the Champions League or anything. But even if, say, we go away to like Copenhagen or something like that in in the in the group stages, like it's always a bit. It's always a bit difficult to sort of gauge what the performance is going to be like the game after that because of just travel full stop. But yeah, the heat in in Greece will definitely not have helped things. Um, I think that we'll probably see maybe a few players who I'd like. I'd like to think we maybe see a few players who didn't start the game drop in, like like Andrew suggested. Maybe maybe Alvarez does start. Maybe that muscular twinge is is just something that doesn't really matter, and it's and he'll be fine to just drop back in. Maybe. Someone like um, maybe maybe Grealish drops out for that, um, but we've uh, but then you've also got the other side of things, which is you know f- the players who started Burnley and this game, and maybe the idea that you know them playing three games in seven in in seven or eight days this early in the season when, I mean our preseason wasn't the greatest that we've had that we could have had in terms of like getting players up to speed. We played two or three games, didn't we? And only one of them was one of them was that in that sort of monsoon season in um was it in Korea that game that that game that did that almost didn't go ahead um yeah, yeah. so if you know we're, we're probably at a point where we don't really want to overload our players too much at this stage of the season but on the other hand we we should we'll have a week's rest after this so maybe we'll see maybe we'll see a lot of that same t- that same st- team start again um i would i would think kovacic would be nailed on to start this time because um obviously he came off the bench um against against Sevilla, which I was a bit I was a bit shocked that he didn't start to be honest with De Bruyne being out. But um if he comes back in, um I don't know I don't know what Bernardo's injury is like. You know, if it, obviously it wasn't it was it was big enough that he didn't even travel full stop, but hopefully he can be involved at least in some way. But um yeah, I think it'll be um I think it'll be interesting to see what changes there are because it's really difficult to actually call like Andrew's kind of said, you know, the, the which which of these injuries are a serious injuries that are going to keep people out for a couple of weeks and how many of them are just sort of injuries that look bad on paper, but really they're just ones that keep you out for a midweek fixture in a European Community Shield that don't actually matter that much. Am I going mad here? Did Kovacic not start? Did he start? Am I I think Kovacic. Am I thinking of the Burnley game where he came? Yeah, Burnley yeah, game, he yeah, did start. yeah, yeah. So Kovacic yeah. did start. Yeah, so I, I, I would, yeah. I would assume that he will then start again. This, I would like to see Rico Lewis start because he didn't mm. against against Sevilla. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him come back in. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think Akanji in that sort of inverted role really worked against Sevilla. Um, I'd very much. I'd, I'd like to see if Stones is not able able to play. I would like to see Lewis do it instead of a repeat of Akanji because, yeah, he's he's far more comfortable in that position. I just think Akanji's best positions for City are on the right or the left on the outside. Or if he's in the middle, I think he needs Diash. I don't like Ake and Akanji as the two middle center backs. And by no. all accounts, Diash is supposed to be back um, at the weekend. Um, he's through the concussion protocol, so... 
if it's Diash and Ake or Diash or Akanji, I'm fine with that for the center central pairing. I just, you know, I think either one of them out on the left is fine. I mean, really, I have no complaints of anyone that Pep starts in defense. Although, even though he's been wearing the captain's armband, I wouldn't hate if Kyle Walker was not out on the pitch against I, Newcastle because they are rapid and they are. It just I, I worry about him in a match like that, kind of getting pasted. Andrew, I'm going to come back to you again. Um, I'm going to say the R word, Rodri. Joe mentioned already, beginning of the season, we're at three games in a week. Rodri's been outspoken about the, just the sheer amount of fixtures that he's putting on his body. Is he going to start again? It's not the kind of game we can drop him, really, is it? I mean, it, it's absolutely is not the kind of game you can drop him in. Um, and, you know, I I get his complaint and he's right and valid. And I think we need to be taking these players seriously because you hear that all the players that are complaining about the amount of minutes and matches they're putting on their legs. But I, I do think that it that's a larger picture, less of a short term. There's three games in a week, but that, you know, that's not going to happen again for a while after this Um yeah, you know, no, I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree. My, my concern is just that we are going to run him into the ground at some point. Something has to give. Um, yeah, but the good whether news it's is our I mean, lineup or whether it's his knees, something is going to give, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I do agree. Newcastle is not the fixture to be resting him in, but we've really got. And we can careful. rest him against Sheffield easily. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's those it's those kind of like bottom half fixture kind of teams that we should be looking right. To yeah, but it, yeah, in in, in in theory, yes, but that hasn't been the case over the last couple of years. Pep doesn't trust no, Phillips. No. So, but I, I think it, with Kovacic and the other yeah. players we now have, like there there are lineups we can play where Rodri does not have to play against Sheffield if he needs rest at that point. But also mm-hmm. by the time we play Sheffield. He'll have had a week's rest. Like this is this is a very short term issue that yes, better squad planning could have solved, but I I think he will be okay in the you know mm. in the short. I term. do think I do think the long term kind of and this this is probably a bit of a tangent, but I do think the long the long term kind of thing is is a genuine thing. You know the reason why Rodri played sixty odd games a season, like it doesn't matter that they all came at the end of the season. Like, he still played thirty odd in the first half. So if we can kind of if we can manage those. I know that he will have a week's rest after Newcastle, but if we could give him two weeks rest by giving him a complete rest against, you know, the, the following week, that would be that would be ideal really. And obviously like you say, with Kovacic in, maybe with De Bruyne being out it becomes a bit more difficult to rotate. I know I know not the same position, but maybe it becomes a bit more difficult to rotate the midfield full stop because one of our most basically our senior guy who's gonna start almost every game he can is not available for the next three to four months. You know, maybe this. You know, Kovacic and I. Would, I wouldn't be mad seeing Kovacic and Lewis as like a double pivot, and then seeing them behind a Foden or Bernardo maybe at some point. And if we're going to rest, if we are going to rest Rodri, but we, you know, we bought we bought Kovacic in because he can play the six. Like surely, if, if even if he doesn't trust Phillips, we've got to be able to trust someone to take Rodri's minutes off him. Yeah, well, Kovacic has slotted in well so far. I think of of all the signings that I've seen come into City over Pep's reign. Uh, Kovacic has probably slipped in the easiest. He seems to be very, very comfortable. I think, especially even in the field. In, yeah, even even in the preseason fixtures, it was like he looks like he's been here for years already. Um, and even Harland, who did remarkably well, still did stick out as somebody that hasn't yet adjusted to the Pep style. So 
yeah, I, I've got got faith in Kovacic that he can do that. So, Joe, Newcastle. Um, over the last few years, when talking about the big five, the big six, the top four, the top six, that's never included Newcastle. Never. Um, and even last season, we were probably looking at a game against Spurs as more important than a game against Newcastle, simply because they're not branded as that top six, or big six, if you will. Has that changed now? Is this is this a crucial top four clash against Newcastle? Uh, I think we've got to look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the games that we played against Newcastle last season, um, neither of them were very comfortable at all. Um, and I can imagine that that's probably going to end up being the case again this time round. Even of this game falling at home rather than coming after the Super Cup at St James's Park, that's probably the that's probably one of the more nightmare scenario games that you could have at this stage of the season. Um, but yeah, we're definitely at a point where we have to, you know, if you can't if you can't take Newcastle seriously now, where not only did they finish, but they finished, I can't remember if it was third or fourth, but they finished top four last season um, and they've pretty significantly improved their squad. Like the, the signings that they're making are good, smart signings, um, annoyingly so. Um, and yeah, and it's kind of, it, we're, in, we're in a position where we have to consider them to be. Because I, th- I think, obviously, it's weird because Chelsea, Chelsea and Spurs, based on last season, you would say, well, they should have absolutely no reason to still be considered a big game but they are I think it's just the pool of big big fixtures that we're looking at in the league is going to just increase over and over again like we're adding Newcastle to that maybe we can add Brighton to that at some point in the next season or two um there's always going to be it's just the, the, the Premier League now is getting so strong and so good and Newcastle you know disrupting the top four has made that um has made that a bit more sort of yeah it's just given us one more big fixture to worry about which is um not ideal because we you know bring back 2017-18 where we just steamroll the entire league um every week but now it feels like we go into most games thinking there's something to seriously worry about here and Newcastle are probably one of the one of the bigger concerns that we've actually got yeah and we're going to get more onto Newcastle themselves and, and what the future holds for them or what the present holds for them even this season in the second half of this episode but before we move on, I want a bold slash um, <laughs> ridiculous prediction from you guys on the game at the weekend. Uh, I'll pull privilege here and I, I'm i going to go with a two-all draw. I think we're going to be a bit sloppy, a bit tired, but I think we will have the grit to at least pull a point from the game. Andrew? Uh, I mean, I don't know that it's the boldest of predictions, but I'm just going to say that we are headed towards a Rodri screamer as the winner for this match. Scoreline? 3-2. 3-2. Joe? Um, if, I mean, if you want a bold or ridiculous prediction, I could say 5-0 to City, but um, I think, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm thinking, um, I think I think we'll scrape a 2-1. I think it's going to be a very nervy game okay that we're gonna it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be decided late whatever the score line is yeah we said bold not suicidal prediction Joe. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, chance you know what it's interesting now. it's interesting though because i've gone for a draw and you two have gone for a close game with a one goal win right and yeah. that that probably shows where we are at the moment in the context of having such a packed week one week into the season also testament to the quality of newcastle at the end of the day that us three here on overly confident of getting three points. 
So I was um, I was very close to predicting a Newcastle win, but I thought I can't mm. do that on a City podcast. So I'll say a City <laughs> win. I, I, it wouldn't it, it genuinely wouldn't shock me if if we if we did lose to them. But you know, mm-hmm. I think I think we'll I think we'll have just about enough, especially at home. Yeah. All right. So that's part one. Part two, as I said, we'll have a chat about Newcastle, about the summer business and where we see them finishing uh, this season, how we see them doing the Champions League, even we might touch on. So hold on for the break and we'll see you in a minute. The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Before we get into it, talking about Newcastle, just a reminder, it isn't too late to join the City Report podcast FPL League. We've got hundreds of other listeners in there and the code to join is in the description of the episode. Wherever you are, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. It is down below. So, Newcastle, they had a bit of a slow start to the summer, which was quite a surprise, um, you know, considering how quickly they've moved over the last couple of years uh, since PIF took over, uh, considering where they finished, as I said, top four. You know, I thought they'd come flying out the gates with big deals left, right and centre, almost with the kind of Chelsea approach. But they've been more measured. They've been perhaps slower than we would have expected. But where we stand at the moment, Sandro Tonali... Uh, an amazing, he's kind of a, a football manager legend of the last few years, right? An incredibly hot prospect that uh, went over to Milan. He's now in Newcastle. Harvey Barnes, promising winger from Leicester. He uh, he was, I'd say, blowing hot and cold, but more hot than cold while he was in the Prem with Leicester, but they were quite a dysfunctional team, so I'll give him a pass on that. Livermento, another one, an amazing talent. Uh, suffered a bad injury. How long was he out for? When he, he, he nearly, a, nearly a season, wasn't it? It was like yeah, a nearly yeah, full, full season. season. Yeah, Livermento. So he's in. He want to get back up to scratch, back up to full fitness, and uh, show the promise that he did when he was breaking in at seventeen, eighteen. And lastly, Lewis Hall uh, from Chelsea, who gave us a bit of trouble last season on a couple of occasions when he played. So really, quite. Just my opinion on this is it's been quite a smart business from them. They didn't go balls deep into the transfer window the moment that it opened. Uh, they've, they've, I think, secured some good business. Um, Andrew, what do you think about the business that they've done? Um, are they headed in the right direction here? Are they taking the City approach rather than the United approach, I might say? I, I mean, they absolutely are, which is not surprising given that I think Eddie Howe you saw it even at Bournemouth that he is someone who is committed to a vision and style of play far more than I'm going to chase names. And Newcastle have gone out and f- picked up quality players who are good system fits, who 
are also not going to cause problems. And the the way that team performed last season, the last thing they needed to do was bring in star names to start supplanting people and, you know, upsetting the the tone of the dressing room and the team morale. And everything they've added has been a really good addition. The Tenali one for me, it was huge because I think that Bruno Gramesh, uh, Jill Linton, and Tenali may be the best midfield in the Premier League. Um, just because of where all the other midfields are at right now. You know, if you had KDB fully fit and you're talking a midfield of KDB, Rodri, Bernardo, or even Kovacic, I think it beats it. But those three, that is such a well-balanced, sculpted midfield for the types of games they're going to have to play where some matches they are going to need to be able to counter and go toe-to-toe with the big guns. But then they're also going to have a lot of games this season where they've got to break down Teams that are going to be, you know, playing a low block, which is going to be new for a lot of those players on Newcastle. And I think that midfield is perfect for that. And I really enjoyed watching the three of them play together against Villa. And yeah, they've just done tremendous business. Joe, talk about Newcastle's incomings then. And the, the, the buying players that have got some Premier League experience in Barnes and Livermento, they'll be hoping to see them hit new heights. Tonali, a player with tremendous potential, not yet proven in the Premier League, also quite young. Now, City have never been strangers to bringing in players that are kind of on the wrong side, if you will, of 26, 27. Kovacic this summer springs to mind. Uh, Fernandinho, probably the most significant of all of them. I think he was 28 or 29 when we brought him in. Newcastle haven't done that. They've lost some experience in Alan St. Maximan. Is that something that they're missing or have they got enough in the current personnel like Trippier to kind of steady the ship and bring them the experience that they need if for example and we'll get on to this they're going to have a title challenge on the hands do they have the right levels of experience in that squad without needing to bring anyone else in yeah it's a bit of a strange one because they've got a lot of young players with a lot of hunger and like the sort of you know desire to because this whole sort of going after a title thing apart from with the exception of Tenali who's you know very much got the experience of playing at the highest level, you know, winning winning Serie A with AC Milan, getting to the semi-finals of the Champions League with AC Milan. He's, despite being young, he actually has a lot of that experience that can hopefully help take the rest of the squad forward a little bit. Obviously, Kieran Trippier has that experience as well coming in. But if you look at kind of, if you look at the rest of the signings they've bought, it's like you say, it's all very, it's all very young and all very sort of fresh to it. Um, it can be, it can be good and bad in the sense that obviously you know it does bring a bit of be the young players are going to be there hopefully they would imagine for the long haul like you you they're not just thinking about now they're thinking about the next two three four five years which is you know much more as you say city approach oriented than manchester united approach um but on the other hand you would you would think they would pick up someone you'd think they would be going after, you know, maybe one or two of our players that we were trying to offload. Like, if, if we're trying to get rid of, say, obviously Laporte, maybe not Cancelo for obvious Laporte reasons. But maybe out here, yeah. Laporte, yeah, like, Laporte's like a player. They, Newcastle, I was in Newcastle quite recently, actually, seeing um, seeing a friend, and I was, I was chatting to some of his mates who, who, were, who were pretty big Newcastle fans, and they're saying that this was before they'd done pretty much all. I think they'd only signed Tenali at the time. Um, but they're crying out for a centre-back. Like, once you get past... Um, Cher and Botman, they've got absolutely, and even Cher's not, you know, he's not really the kind of player who you'd be thinking, right, him and Botman, that is a Champions League competing kind of 
Premier League title winning centre-back pairing. Yeah, they did really well last season defensively, so it's difficult to really argue with it. But, you know, Cher's getting older. Botman obviously has the the, the 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 potential to be great and go on and do great things. Um, but they need another centre-back. They've got no depth. If one of those goes out, then they're done. They're back to Lascelles and Paul Dummett and, you know, players like that. Um so it, it's kind of I'm a bit I'm a bit shocked that they haven't gone. For, maybe a centre back is coming, but I'm a, I'm surprised they haven't gone for someone from a team that has won lots of things before. Like you know, come from like winning players who can bring that sort of winning mentality and help take the rest of the squad up to the next level mentally. Um, but then also on the other hand, you know, did did apart from with the exception of one or two players, did we have that in 2012? Really, I mean, we had Yaya and Aguero and Tevez but I think outside of that the rest of the squad was fairly new to the whole you know being title contenders you know winning things kind of so it was a it was a journey that a lot of the squad went on together from 20 2009 2010 onwards so maybe that's the approach that Newcastle are taking um but yeah I would have expected to see a lot more sort of top level Premier League experience come through the door and it's it's something that for you know maybe it'll, it'll, it'll probably work out quite well for them but you know they can't it, it couldn't hurt to to at least try for a Laporte if they can. I mean, I'm not sure how Laporte feels about moving up to Newcastle, but um, especially when mm. Real Madrid... No, I'm, I'm amazed cards, but, you know, Laporte... Give it a go. At least try. I mean, it, there's a few sides. United were a dark horse that I called out a few months ago to pick him up. Arsenal would benefit from him. Chelsea would benefit from him. Liverpool. All of these... There is no club that I can think of. Mm. Not a single club that I can think of in Europe at the top level that wouldn't benefit from Laporte's experience, his 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 brilliance. He's a he's a fantastic player. It's just his time to move on. So I'm yeah. I'm really surprised. And I thought you know Newcastle would have uh, would have been a prime candidate, but we don't know what's going on at the, you know, the boardroom level. Maybe we are wary of strengthening a rival like we did with Zinchenko and Jesus to Arsenal last summer but that brings yeah. me around to the next question um Andrew and then straight back to you Joe on this are they legitimate title rivals are they at in a position now um with Eddie Howe with the players that they brought in and the fact that they've kept almost all of their key personnel apart from Alan Simaxman are they now in a position to challenge bearing in mind they've also got Champions League football to deal with this season now for me, I think it's too early to say that. They have all the makings of a side that could be a true title challenger. But for me, the issue or concern I would have is, one, can they adjust to being expected to dominate games in a way they weren't last season? Because obviously teams now know that they're good and they aren't just going to open themselves up. But then also they do now have to contend with more matches and just more pressure and expectations. And you know, we saw what happened to Arsenal um, last season when you get to the business end of the season and the expectations of being a quote-unquote title rival or leading the title, they collapsed under their own pressure. And so for me, I think that we need to take them seriously and expect that they could be in at the end of the season, but they you can't just expect them to actually sustain a challenge at this point. Joe, what do you feel? Yeah, I'm, I, I agree. I think really at this, it's probably too early in the, the cycle that they're going through. Like, I mean, they've only had the owners in charge for 18 months now at this point. Um, it's not really it's not really time for us to start talking about them being title rivals. I mean, I, I don't remember, they were very good last weekend and they were very good 
in many other ways last season. Um, I think they kind of need to worry about getting to the stage where they're getting consistent Champions League before they go for, you know, before they start thinking of themselves as title rivals. Um, because getting that consistent European football, whilst they can, whilst anyone can do like a one-off, let's get Champions League football, let's throw a lot of money at a guy like Tenali, for example, who's at a very big club in AC Milan, just having come off winning the title just over a year ago. Um, you can do that when you've got into the Champions League once and signing the likes of Harvey Barnes and Livramento from relegated clubs and Lewis Hall and a fire sale from Chelsea. Like a lot of clubs in the Premier League could do that. Um, I think once they start to get to the point where they're doing consistent Champions League football, then we'll start to see some real, you could argue Tonali is this, but some real top-level European talent start to look at Newcastle and go, oh, hang on a second. And then those are the kind of players that are going to take Newcastle to the title title challenge kind of level. I mean, I think they'll be very much in it. I expect them to be in and around the top four this season. Um, I think the Champions League football will probably hinder their ability to sort of have a have a, a season as good as last year where they kind of were in the top four and stayed in it for most of the season. Um, I think that will, that will just, it's just part of when you're a team like Newcastle that doesn't have the, the greatest squad depth. Um, they've kind of gone one for one in terms of ins and outs. Like as much as the quality of the ins is a lot better than the outs, like it's still squad numbers wise, hasn't really increased since last season. Um, it's difficult to really look at their squad and think, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna they're gonna be able to cope with the with the with the pace and you know extra workload that the Champions League brings with it. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, they were very good last weekend. So if they could just beat everyone five one every week, then who knows what could happen? I think I think I think they're they're honestly their attacking options in terms of that you know Isak and having Wilson to bring off the bench when Isak's done. That's you know it's difficult to really they can blow a lot of teams away even if they even if their defense does maybe suffer a little bit this season more than last season but if they've got to sit back and you know if if they if they have teams sitting back against them for large parts of the game more this season than last season they've got you know they've got two seriously good strikers there that can yeah that and can I, I do that. think it you know also with the Champions League it's interesting because they will be a pot four team so it is likely the group they get is going to not be the easiest time, which on the one hand is good because that will give them some big fixtures to test themselves against and give Newcastle fans some pretty, you know, potentially great evenings if they pull off, you know, a, a magical win against some of these bigger sides. But it's, you know, something to think about and it could do it. If they finish third and drop into the Europa League, then suddenly that that those European you'd almost I, I don't know I mean they might they might think if they get into the Europa League they could go on and win it and that I mean even, that'd, that'd be, be what I would want to do better. if I'm a Newcastle fan but, um, I, you know like what yeah I, I don't get people that think oh I I would you know you don't want to be in the Europa League like we're too good for it like I mean I get if you're if you're a club like yeah. United yeah the problem is they had spent so much money they should have never been in the Europa League at any point. But for Newcastle yeah. that's coming yeah. up that hasn't seen trophies in, you know, I don't know the last time they won a trophy. I don't even know if it's in my lifetime. But, I mean, we saw what it meant to West Ham fans to win the Europa Conference League last – like, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think Newcastle yeah. fans, like, don't – if I'm a Newcastle fan, you shouldn't expect to win the league this season. But, like, I think they should expect to have a really fun season. I think I think Newcastle might be disruptors this season. They, they could really – if they're not going to challenge themselves, they will be one of the sides where if you can beat them in a title run, then you're going to be in a good place to win it. Because they will take they will take points off a lot of the others mm. around 
the others that might be expecting to challenge uh, and they they could be a real thorn in the side but I, I mean I think they'll go quite far with the title challenge I don't think they're going to maybe run it all the way up to um, April or May necessarily but I think they'll be in and around it for quite a while almost like United were last season where they didn't truly drop off until about I think it was February or March time um, with regards to the Champions League just your point Andrew I think they should be expecting to go through from their group regardless because a little bit different in a position to where we were, say, five years ago, where at this point, the Premier League teams are generally so much stronger than the competition. And if they get a fairly favourable group, fairly, then I think they should be looking to at least get into the knockout rounds. But as you say, they might prefer the Europa League for for the purposes of going all the way and, and potentially winning it, but... Uh, for me, I think Newcastle might be in a position to get out of the Champions League group, to win one of the two domestic trophies, to get that silverware in as they were close last season, and maybe put together a good title run that where they're still kind of in the conversation until February or March. I, personally, I'm quite optimistic for them. Um, anyhow, Joe, what are your thoughts? Is he underrated he doesn't really he's not exotic is he He doesn't crop up in the conversations of of the peps of the artetas of the uh ten hags of the you know post-coglic he's he's kind of um he's getting on with it isn't he and and partly reasonable because we've not had an english manager ever win the premier league i don't think since the premier league formed in 92 so perhaps english managers are overlooked does how have the juice does he have the spice to do it i think I think the, the 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 opinion on Eddie Howe sort of stems from the fact that his time at Bournemouth, he was he was kind of someone who was seen as like, oh, he plays nice football, but Bournemouth gets spanked six nil, seven nil by the likes of you know the, by the big teams. Whenever he, he didn't like by Bournemouth City. didn't do a lot of upsetting <laughs> when it came to yeah, oh god yeah, bring back those Eddie Howe days. It's annoying. Like so, he's, since since he's obviously taken his time away from Bournemouth in the time between then and and, and Newcastle. He spent a lot of time with um, Diego Simeone, didn't he, at Atletico Madrid, um, which is where the new sort of shithouse version of Newcastle has come from um, because he's basically spent the entire time learning the dark arts from Simeone. Um, but that's kind of, that's that's absolutely 100% like elevated him as a manager. Like he's spending time with someone like him. There's a reason why Newcastle was so defensively solid last season. And then on the other hand, there's also a reason why the new additional time mm. in like injury time rules have come in because Newcastle were prime, you know, they were prime, they were they were great for spoiling a game of football if it, if they felt that they had to 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 make it happen. Um, yeah, I he's I think he's he got he got manager of the year shouts last year, so I think it's hard to say that he's underrated. Um, but I think. And I'm saying this as someone who probably thinks that he has a ceiling of he'll get them like consistent top four, but I don't think he'll. I think they'll probably have to get a catalog, another level of manager to really compete for the title. Um, so maybe I do. So maybe I do. Yeah. So maybe. So maybe I do think he's underrated. Um, I could see them maybe in a few years' time. Like I don't know. Maybe Eddie Howe has a bad run of games and a Xabi Alonso comes in. And sort of takes them to, to a title. Exactly. This is Maybe it. it's just because Javi Alonso has a much sexier sounding name than Eddie Howe. I don't know, but um, but but exactly. So I don't know. It's it's difficult to really say. But I think based on last season, he's been very much. You know, he's got the he's got the props that he that he deserved for last season. Um, but it's it, it was that was it's kind of like the whole Newcastle thing in general. Is this just one season? Is this just is is you know have they had a good season and they're going to look 
a bit more average this season and Eddie Howe is therefore going to look a bit more average this season. Who knows? But yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, he'll take them. He'll take them far, but maybe he does have a ceiling. Um, and he changed his name to Eduardo How Howie or something like that. <laughs> maybe. Um, cool. All right, guys. So yeah, big fixture. Very early in the season to have such a big fixture, and it might set the tone for both clubs over at least the next few weeks and possibly beyond. So. Thank you very much, listeners. Subscribe. Make sure you never miss uh, an episode. If you want to go back to yesterday, you can find our episode on the aftermath and reaction to the Super Cup win. Thank you very much, Andrew. Cheers. And thank you, Davey Manjo. Thank you very much. I've been Ollie, and this has been the City Report Podcast. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.